Hello, everyone. I'm Barrett back again. Uh, I'm the COO of Strategic News Service and Future Interview, talking to Mark, our CEO, uh, about this week's global report, the subject of which is his uh, recently fully published resonance theory, uh, which he was interviewed about at our conference, Future in Review, this year by sci fi author David Brin. So, Mark. Uh, my first question for you uh, is about resonance theory in general. What is resonance theory? Can you explain it to us? For sure. The, for those of us who may not be as much of a physics <laughs> brainiac as you are. Normal people. Yeah. Um, you bet. And it's really easy. It, um, it The very first paper back in 1980, it's been a long-term project, um, said it this way at the end. It said, um, the laws of physics derived directly from the properties of otherwise empty space. And what that means is that space itself has properties, it is not empty, and that everything that happens in the world comes from those properties. So space is a thing. Okay. Actually something substantial. Okay. And as opposed to previously thought that it was just a vacuum, essentially. Yes, the vacuum was, empty and uh, all the way back to Einstein and, and people before that, um, they, they gave up on what was called the ether. Um, uh, that in my view, that was his biggest mistake. That was in his view too. And um, uh, because of that, they had all kinds of wrong turns. What kind of wrong turns does that entail? Well, the one that uh, is perhaps most interesting in terms of the cosmos, which is what I'm writing about this week and what David interviewed me about is that we got, I think we got the cosmos wrong in a lot of different ways. The, the primary tool that uh, astronomers have used to understand the cosmos, the where stars and galaxies are, how far are they away? How fast are they running away from us? Um, is called the red shift and or Hubble redshift named after the astronomer Edwin Hubble. And uh, this is pretty straightforward. What, what they did way back in the early 20th century was that when they saw starlight shifted to the red, toward the red, that was an indication, it was called the Doppler shift at that time. So if space were empty, the only explanation was that when something, you know, when a train is going away from you, the, the, the sound of the horn drops. Mm -hmm. Doppler shift. So the light, when the light's going away from you, the frequency drops, it goes mm -hmm. redder. And um, using that mental construct, which I will underline probably was not correct or entirely correct, they therefore deduced that the redshift in galaxies and stars indicated uh, two things. One was how far away was it? Because the further away it was, it seemed as though the the faster it was running away. Mm -hmm. So you got two things out of this, how far and, and also how fast was it running away? And that led to this conclusion that the universe was ever expanding the further away things were, no matter where you were in the universe. Pretty wild idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what size was it? So you're saying that the implications for kind of our modern understanding of the cosmos is that the universe may not be ever expanding at a greater rate, no matter far, how far away we get from it. 
-hmm. and we may not understand the actual size of the cosmos itself. Correct. Really big questions. Yeah. We have some more, I think, in front of that after that. But um, the simplest way to see this is uh, if space is not empty, then um, when you picture the progress of light from someplace, call it star A, to your eye through space, what happens? And that light is passing through something which is of some kind of substance. It's some, it has properties which are well-defined and have been well-defined since the 19th century that are magnetic and electric and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mass like called gravitational. So um, what happens uh, pretty clearly, I think, is that light loses energy as it comes to you. Okay. It doesn't slow down. It always maintains the same, the same speed in, in space, mm-hmm. but it does lose energy. And that it, that is another way for a redshift to occur. So it's not hard to imagine. And this, this came from work that was originally done by uh, now Nobel Prize winner named Kip Thorne, who um, long ago, back in the 60s, I think, published some papers saying, I'm confused, he said, I'm seeing these galaxies that are obviously in the same geometric formation. Why do they have such wildly varying red shifts? Right. Something's broken here. Yeah. And just recently, I kind of came to realize what a good explanation of that might be. So this is a proposal. This isn't intended to be a proof. But the idea would be when that happens, what you're seeing is that there is a thing called the density of space. Mm-hmm since it's a thing, mm-hmm. and that that density can vary. And we know that's true because we know, for instance, that light can go through what's called a gravitational lens, where gravity itself bends light. Hmm. So um, people are quite used to the idea of this kind of thing. Uh, another thing like that is Hawking radiation for physicists. But basically, if you're picturing yourself and a star, star A and star B in the same you know, basic geometry, if they have different red shifts, it's probably because the density of space is different along these two different paths. Okay. So, yeah. so does that do away with the Big Bang Theory? It doesn't do away with it, but it calls it into question. And um, I'm not claiming to know all about all this stuff. I'm, I am not a physicist. I'm a pattern recognition expert. So I look for patterns in mathematics and patterns in science to try to find things that hadn't been found before. But I'll leave this to other people to really come up to the right answer. But I will say this, it does call it into question. So, you know, you could say it in another way, we don't need the Big Bang Theory anymore. Hmm. Might still be true. And more likely there's some mix of the shift being caused by the Doppler interpretation Mm -hmm. and the uh, resonance interpretation. And what that mix might be per star or galaxy, I have no idea. It could be all the way to zero on one side or to zero on the other side. But my guess is it is a mix. So um, in your interview at FIRE, David seemed to be saying that this explains dark energy and mm-hmm. that it may remove the need for dark energy. So can you explain that a little more? What, how does that work? Well, he, yeah, he, there were two things that came up, dark matter and dark energy. and what David said was, it looks like uh, you're explaining dark matter. Mm-hmm. And the reason he said that was, if space is substantial, then 
something like 95% of the matter in the universe is called dark matter because they can't find it. Right. Find yeah. it. Well, I have an idea, teacher. I think it's space itself. So if space is substantial, then all these things that we believe in, like protons and electrons and so forth, even things which are you know very short-lived out of CERN or, or other scientific institutions, these are all made of, I jokingly call it yellow jello. You know, it's made of space. And so um, there it is. This, this stuff, this space, this empty space, which is not empty, would explain exactly what David was hoping, that that, that is where the so-called dark matter can be found. Got it. Yeah. And dark energy. So, so dark matter solved the math problem in, anatomy, in astronomy of um, why don't galaxies that are spinning fly wildly apart? Mm -hmm. A long-term problem. And <clears throat> the answer would be found there. And the, dark, and the dark energy problem was why does it keep expanding faster and faster caused by something called dark energy? And the answer might be it doesn't. <laughs> if it's not doing that, you don't need dark energy anymore. I really like this trend in physics of just labeling things that you don't understand dark. Yes, dark. Dark is good. There are people, too, that are just as clever as dark. Um, so given if, if, if what you're saying is true, uh, how does that change how we should see the cosmos? Well... Um, I think you and I have joked about this or talked about this before, but, you know, imagine uh, it's nighttime and one of our audiences, uh, it's a summer night and they're out lying in the grass, as you and I used to do. You stare up at the heavens. And until now, I think what you would see are all these pinpoints of light. And what you think you're seeing is the vast emptiness of space mm -hmm. and these pinpoints of stuff. Well, now flip that in a way. Now what you're seeing is everything is stuff. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. All that black isn't empty. Yeah. It's actually something. And when you see a pinpoint, what you're seeing is a long-lived resonant part of that yellow jello or that black stuff. Going through that and generating. Yeah. Some things, the reason I called it resonance theory is because because it has properties, it's a fair thing for us to say that therefore it will have resonant abilities. If you, you know, just like a tuning fork, if you right. hit it with the right amount of energy, uh, it will resonate because of those properties. They're very specific, by the way. So um, if that's the case, then when you have a thing like a, a long lived proton or electron or a galaxy made of those things, um, that's because they're made of persistent resonances. Others might be transient, just very short lived. But it's all there. All that black is really something. And so now, I, hopefully, you no longer feel so all alone and so, you know, such a tiny dot in this black, black world. It's more like we're all made of this stuff. Right. This is the clay of which stars. We are made, we are made of stardust. We are. And the stars themselves are made of this wonderful stuff called space. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone yeah. uh, will go outside tonight and look up at the sky and think about all of that stardust up there, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to watch the full interview uh, between David and Mark, it is available um, to the public for free on YouTube. And we will put the link to that 
in the description of this video. So you can hop right over to it. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you, Barrett. And, and for those who are SNS members, strategic news members, this will be the subject of the global report this week. Thank you. Thank you.